Hannah Young, and you're listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Isnick, sponsored by Philanthropic Impact. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today I have as my guest, Yash Shavan. He is a marketer at heart, who's also the founder of Sarah, which we're going to talk about today. Sarah is a Sanskrit word, and it's the name of his company, which is a tool that makes finding, managing, and monetizing influencers simple for e-commerce brands. He's an engineer by training, but dropped out of college to work in sales and eventually started a marketing agency where he scaled with many brands and software companies to over a million dollars in annual revenues. But over the last couple of years, Yash has been exploring the world of influencer-driven marketing as we all have in, in the private sector. And he's worked with over five thousand influencers. He's created and perfected a six-step system that any brand can apply to start and scale a successful influencer program. Hey, welcome to the Caring Economy, Yash. Happy to be here chatting with you. So Yash, we always start with asking our guests to tell us a little bit about their professional journey, their career journey, how they got where they got, maybe where you grew up, the role your parents played, where you went to school, any sort of mentors you had along the way. So why don't you give us a couple minutes to digest of your life? I was born and brought up in Mumbai. This is my hometown. This is where I grew up when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. So yeah, lots of experiences. Fundamentally, if you, if you were to speak about my career, it really started in college. Like <laughs> I like to say like every Indian ever, I had to become an engineer or a doctor. So I went into engineering college and turns out it just was not for me. I kind of like quasi dropped out. I stopped attending college and then started like I got a sales job, thankfully, um, and then started working in B2B sales at a at a fintech here in Mumbai and then got, got my start there. Eventually from sales, from the sales world, which is one-on-one, I found marketing, which is one too many. Um, so I just fell in love with marketing. And then since then, I've been doing that. I've become like the head of growth at a couple of companies and then started my agency and took it from there. And speaking of mentors, there have been so many of them that I can't name a single one. If I were to name someone, there's like Rob, he's a marketing leader. He's been like a CMO at multiple companies for 15 years. And I was just a young 19 year old back then. So uh-huh. he really took me under his wing and taught, taught me some stuff. 2020, when the whole world went remote, um, I was mostly, till then, I was mostly working with companies based in Mumbai or Bangalore here in India. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in 2020, I was like, yeah, like, it's all going global now. It's all going remote. So why not start working with international brands and companies? So that's when I started the agency and that's how uh, and took things from there. So, yeah. You yeah. sort of joked about the expectation that you, like a, a good Indian son, would study engineering. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think there is a lot of peer pressure. Your parents obviously still went along with your journey. Was it a big thing when you stopped attending classes and said, I don't want to be an engineer? Good thing was that I had a job. I didn't make the mistake of dropping out first and then going, you know, finding myself or doing, because I had to play my cards, right? I had to play within the constraints of, so parents always want, like, even if they are a little bit conservative, they want you to like become an engineer or doctor. They have certain expectations of you. I think they only have them. They want the best for you. Like there's no, parent in the world who just like want the worst for their child covered that base for them I was like hey listen I have a job I think I'll do way better here and I like this I'm having fun doing this I'm not with that and there was still friction but they saw that I was super committed 
Um, I made sure that, hey, I can always go back to college. So yeah, we had those conversations, those tough conversations. And then after that, they were, they were pretty supportive of what I did because they know I wasn't fooling around. Now tell us about Sarah. How does it work? Who are your clients? What's it all about? So uh, I was doing marketing. I started the agency around 20, late 2020. And then we were doing just all types of marketing for brands, email marketing, customer acquisition through ads, through different types of things. And then uh, what happened was the iOS 14.5 um, update happened from Apple and then Facebook ad. Then I think that was around the time where Mark Zuckerberg was under like scrutiny by the Congress or something like that for privacy issues. Facebook went down because of the Apple update. So lots of stuff happened. And then Facebook ads, which was like the primary acquisition driver for most of the brands that we worked with, it just fell apart. Like it stopped working. So brands stopped acquiring new customers. So as an agency owner, I have two options. I, I could get fired because my clients are making no money or I could come up with a different way to get them new customers, right? So I took the latter route. I was like, okay, let's just try influencer marketing because the way I looked at it was it was word of mouth at scale. Okay, word of mouth is the best marketing channel, right? It's free, very trustful. You won't buy something because you saw a Super Bowl ad, but you would buy something because your colleague recommended it to you, right? You're more likely to buy, way more likely to buy. I guess in 2020, everyone, because of the lockdown, everyone was more online than ever before. They were kind of living parasocial lives with creators online more than ever before. So it was just the right time for influencer marketing to work. So we did that. We were really successful. We worked with 300 or 500 creators for one single brand. And we learned a lot in that journey. Now, we were doing all of this manually in Google Sheets, in email, it was all over the place, right? Wasted tons of time, um, just keeping everything updated, tracking all the numbers, and then you know, Google sheet every week, it was all a mess. So naturally, I was like, there has to be software that simplifies some of this for us. So at this point, I'm not building a software, I'm still running the agency. We were working with small brands. I've always had a thing for working with smaller brands. I don't know why, I just like, I think I have more impact than in a smaller company than if it's like a, you know, 100 people wow. organization it means they did not have huge budgets. But when we looked for software that helped us do influencer marketing, they all cost like 20 grand a year, 30 grand a year, some even 50 grand a year. And our clients could totally not afford that. And I thought that was a bit, bit not normal or not equitable, so to speak, to have a software that's so expensive. And like, what about the millions of small businesses that want to do this and can't because the access is gated by this huge paywall up front and you could only pay for the year. You could not get a free trial or any anything of that sort. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. Um, and that's why we started Saral. Um, a lot of these other tools were also pretty enterprisey, complex to use. So I was like, what do I really want to do? I want to build something for the smaller player and I want to make it simpler. So I stuck to the simple ethos and I picked the name Saral because Saral is a Sanskrit word and it's a direct translation to simple. So so how does it work? I'm going to give a sales example. It's very similar to what a sales cycle would be like. So if an organization wants to make some sales, they would have a salesperson or a team, whatever. They would reach out, they'll find a list of prospects like, hey, we need marketing leaders at uh, this in this industry, in the company of this size, right? They'll have all these parameters. They'll find their emails, their phone numbers. Then they'll email them, call them, send them notes. They'll reach out to them, basically. Um, and then they'll 
hop on a sales call, close them, right? Do the onboarding. That it's that's the sales cycle. Now, influence and marketing is kind of a similar thing where you let's say you're running a and yeah, you're right, it's mostly product-based. There's very rarely that people are selling services through influencers, although I have seen that a little bit. Um, but it's mostly products. So I'll 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 show you how it works with an example. So let's say it's a skincare brand. They're selling sunscreen, right? So they want to reach out to women who are in their 20s, right? They, let's say this is their target market. So they'll go come to our platform, Saral. Um, they'll just enter their keyword, which is say sunscreen or hashtag summertime or beach or something like that that's related to sunscreen. Um, and they'll search and we'll show them a list of influencers that are posting about that topic. So if they're posting about skincare or beaches or um, summertime or something, then we'll show them all those influencers. But that's not it. You need to filter that list to get down to the exact demographic that you want to reach. So we have a lot of filters in terms of just like in sales, you would filter by like company size, industry, stuff like that. In Saral, you can filter a list of influencers by location, by their interest group, by gender, by a lot of other factors. And then, so this is one part, like finding influencers to reach out to. Do you kind of have the client stick with one or a handful or are they constantly changing and experimenting? Some of them are like, hey, we already have some influencers you're working with. We just want to use your management features. Some of them are like, we are new to influencer marketing. Uh, we just want to find new influencers. Because sometimes it's like one type of influencer works better than another type of influencer. So then they go all in. So it's it's very, uh, it's it's all over the place. Yeah. Yep. So that's the first part is like actually finding those people. The second part is the outreach. So you've got to reach out to them. So we have a lot of automation built into the app. The way brands you should do this beforehand, let's say they have a list of 100 influencers to reach out to. They would have to manually email every single one of them. With our tool, um, we have automated sequences. So they can send the first email, personalized, like with personalized lines, personalize their name and everything. So it's not like they're sending spam outreach. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have automated follow-ups too. So if they don't reply, we follow up. And then we've seen that that helps improve your conversion rates in terms of like getting someone's attention, getting an influencer to reply to you. We mostly find their email. It's very hard to get their phone number. So it's it's like an email campaign that that goes out to them. Mm -hmm. And once they reply, it's it's again, like a, just like a not sales process you might hop on a brand might hop on a call with them to explain their product or they just do the deal over email um, and that's usually how it works and then the final step is the the engagement the management because getting a reply and reaching out to them is one thing that's fine but if they don't post about you if they're not engaged enough if you don't build a relationship with them it's not going to work for your brand so that's what we also facilitate we have like a very cool relationships board feature where you can see where everyone is, who's posting, who's not posting, how many sales were driven by each one of them. So you can keep reaching out to them, build that connection with them, hop on calls, hop on like live sessions, podcasts, do different kinds of engagements with these influencers. So at the very core, it's like a relationship management platform because I fundamentally believe that the relationship is the ROI. If you build good relationships with ambassadors, basically your influencers, you will win. You will succeed at influencer marketing. They can reach out to any influencer in the world with our platform. So we don't have like a limited number of influencers. It's pretty unlimited. We don't also cap it by a set number. Like, hey, we don't say that, hey, you can only do 100 for this price. And if you want more, you're going to pay more. None of that. So it's just one flat price and they can use it as much as they want. Right now you can search, a brand can come on our platform and they can search for a TikTok influencer, an Instagram creator, or a YouTuber. 
mm-hmm. but they can't currently search for podcasts. But podcasts are such a force for good in the world. So we are going to add podcasts as well. So we consider all everyone who has a certain network, a certain influence. You don't necessarily have to have like a big Instagram following or a TikTok following. You just have to be like a niche um, individual in and with expertise in a very specific area. And you are a source of influence. You may not be an influencer, but yeah. brands that want to sell to or reach out to or work with your network of say young entrepreneurs or C-suite, they will like reach out to you and maybe like sponsor your podcast. So then tell me, who are your competitors? Are they the big brand agencies? Are they advertising agencies? Who, who, who do you consider your competition? Some agencies actually use our software to service their clients. The agencies are totally not our com- competition. They are our customers. There's those big, bad um, 30 grand a year software tools that are that are that those people are our competition. But I like to say they are competition because they have some of the same features as us. Realistically, they're not our competition because they're not selling to the same market. Our tool costs 150 bucks a month. They give us seven day free trial. No card up front. Anyone can come on. They don't even have to put their card details on and they can sign up, start using, start finding influencers, reaching out to them. Even when they want to pay, it's just a monthly commitment. So they can cancel anytime and it's just 150 bucks a month versus these quote unquote competitors of ours are charging 30 grand a year. A brand cannot do a free trial. They have to pay the entire 30 grand up front at the start of the year. No free trial, no none of that. Right. So we're like, they're selling to they're selling to Coca-Cola, to Samsung, to all these big corporations. We're selling to like the e-commerce brand that is new, that's like, you know, a couple hundred thousand in revenue. We are we're like a super small brand software. And are you English language only or how does that work? Because your influencers are global. Our primary market is North America. So US and Canada primarily, like 90% of our customers are there, but there are some, there's like a couple of customers in Europe, one in Australia. So I like primarily English English language only. There's a lot of debate about TikTok, in particular whether government is going to ban it or not. What do you think about the whole TikTok debate? And then separate question, what are the trends you're seeing in the social media space with influencers? Where are they going? Are they going off Twitter, as we might suspect, or, or what? Yep. Not too sure about what's up with Twitter uh, nowadays, because it's so up and down. One day you think it's going to be great. Next day you see something, you're like, ah, it's not going to work out. So not sure, but like I'll, I'll comment on the TikTok Capitol Hill, especially because yeah, TikTok's banned in India. So I am from India. TikTok's banned in India for national security reasons. And I think that's like a similar debate that's happening in the US right now. I think short term, there will be some brands who are big on TikTok who might lose some revenue because they just took away the platform. There were influencers before TikTok existed. There was Wine that existed. So, and then there were Wine influencers who transitioned. Like the biggest example probably is some, someone like a Logan Paul, who was primarily a short video Wine content creator. Then he moved to YouTube, he became a good YouTuber. So I think good creators exist in the long run. The good creators will be on whatever platform it is that works. And hey, in India, we don't have TikTok and there's tons of brands doing influencer marketing on Instagram and YouTube. And yeah, it's going good. Whatever the platform, that is where brands need to be more active. They yep. need to be doing these kinds of storytelling. I'm actually seeing brands. So since you also asked a little bit about trends, I'm seeing brands actually hiring content creators. Some do, some do more transactional. It's like they hire someone they get videos made and then they stop working with them it's kind of like a freelance video creation um, agreement but the best brands that i'm seeing that whom it's really working for they just hire a content creator in-house as a social media person 
and that creator then becomes the face of the brand online because honestly like people don't want to interact with with a with like a sunscreen brand right they want to interact with the person who had bad skin then they used this product then they became good right they want to interact people want to interact with people okay. so the best brands they are they are engaging more with creators they are building these deep long term relationships with them and that's what i'm seeing working right now is just like building these long term relationships a lot of brands think that they want to get like hundreds of creators 500 creators promoting their brand but i'll i'll be honest i've seen like you can have 50 ambassadors or creators promoting you non-stop every single month and like you're set for life you don't need another marketing channel ladies and gentlemen again today on the caring economy we have yash shivan he is a marketer at heart he is the founder of seral yash tell me a little bit about the misperceptions about influencers i think some folks older folks might think like oh these are dilettantes that don't don't need to work or are spoiled or something they don't really move markets but to the contrary i think they can and do so i wonder what you yeah. might say certain stereotypes are true for certain people but it's a person by person there's some creators who are straight up media businesses like they're not influencers they have like a team they have an agent they have a publishing schedule they know what they're going to post one month from now it's like a media house that they're running Mm -hmm. versus there's some maybe a little bit younger uh, people who are like i want to be an influencer right and then they'll post two two tiktok videos and think they're famous right um and those are and that's a trend it's it's a new thing so people hop on but long term i think creators are always going to be here there's listen like even if it's like a little bit older people listening there was always an influencer right even if you go back like coca cola launched the santa claus because we are around christmas recording this Coca-Cola launched the Santa Claus. Santa Claus was an influencer. Like they used Santa Claus to sell stuff, right? Coca-Cola, Santa drinks Coca-Cola, right? That's an influencer. Everything that an athlete is doing, they're repping a brand on their jersey. That is an influencer, right? Yeah. Any newspaper editor who's writing up an article mentioning a brand there, that's an influencer. It's like influencer as a term is just now normal but i like to just generally broadly fundamentally think of it as source of influence right so 20 years from now who knows like in the metaverse what what would happen but there will always be people who other groups of people listen to and that's the source of influence that's the influencer right like uh, i was on another podcast and they were they asked me who do you think was the oldest influencer i was like it may be jesus right because like he was an influencer can you say a little bit about diversity equity and inclusion both in your own business and how you run it but also maybe in the influences is that a a category so to speak that brands can check the box and find in your set of influence people who could help them there pretty agnostic we are not like a diversity focused business but we have brands that are very focused on so i'll, I'll again like answer this with an example there's one brand that signed up that is it's like a clothing brand specially for queer people right they're like we just do clothing not for men not for women <laughs> queer people right and then they're using our our tool to find influencers who, who are also queer sending them these t-shirts for free and getting posts out right getting the word out there and especially with like uh, marginalized communities uh, underrepresented communities influencer marketing really works well cuz you'd be surprised like there is there's a lot of influencers that are posting about um, their own story on social media just sharing authentically what their life has been like and mm -hmm. if you're a brand that honestly is selling to them and obviously that means you care about these people 
then you can use our platform to find them, reach out to them, manage your, and like, even if you don't use our platform, honestly, if you're, if you're looking at any marketing channel, influencer marketing is probably the best because it's so trust based. And usually in like communities like these, there is less trust. Like, why should they just trust a brand? They don't know if you're just like, you know, greedy trying to take advantage of them for profit, or you actually want to help. I mean, influencers are a great way because influencers have these, this built up trust already with their audience. And you're kind of like piggybacking off of that to get your message out there as a brand. What about the brands that hire you? Are they largely commercial or are there nonprofits that also hire you? Um, no, we don't have any nonprofits working with us. Mostly, pretty much everyone's um, commercial. So, but yeah, that that's very interesting. If if like a nonprofit wants to work with us, I'd be excited. Can you tell our listeners how to be in touch with you? Sure. Yeah, I think best place is LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Yash Chavan, and you will you'll find me. You can just message me there. And your website is www get saral g-e-t-s-a-r-a-l.com one last question for you uh, yep. what advice do you offer to young people in particular as they're setting out in their careers and then sort of the follow-on to that what about older professionals who may have been disrupted or laid off with covid or other things what yep. pearls have you of wisdom have you gleaned through your career what's worked for me is just listening to my heart and just going with it like because when i set my intention on something i just know that I, I would do it like there's no like I don't have I don't believe in plan B's I'm like hey if we're doing this uh, like we're getting it done right so if you're a especially if you're young you can afford to have this attitude because if you fail like I said in the, the beginning right if I fit like the conversation I had with my parents if I if this fails I could always go back to college right and especially if you're super long, young like you're 16 17 18 like you have, and you are in college or in high school or whatever, you can use that as kind of like a crutch. Like, because even if you like, you're in high school or college and you start a business and it fails in like 18 months, you can like, people would admire you that you took that initiative and started and like, like she's just in high school. It's fine if her business failed. That's not a problem. Right. Yeah. So you can use that as that's insane leverage. And you have so much time. Like I have, I'm also, I'm 24. So I have so much time, but if you're like, less than 20 years old i think you have an insane amount of time so just like i would say go with your heart that's what's worked for me so i would advocate for that okay. and uh older people i'm not sure what i would say but i what i would what advice i would give but i don't think i'm in the right place to give advice to older people but if you've been disrupted or i think like just upskilling helps because i've had some of my own friends who are slightly older than me not necessarily like super old who got laid off during covid or just left their jobs or quiet quit something like that and the best advice that i would have for them is just like education and information is so accessible nowadays nowadays we are in the open world everyone like openly shares about their secrets you can watch keynotes on youtube listen to podcasts like the, these ones and learn about new industries and see what's happening like maybe you find influencer marketing interesting right like yeah, I think don't lose hope and uh, keep doing If you're listening to this podcast, you're already on the right track. So, yeah. <laughs> Touche. Well, I thank you for that. Plug. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, again today, it's been my privilege to have Yash Shivan on The Caring Economy. He is the founder of Sorrel, a tool that makes finding, managing, and monetizing influencers simple for e-commerce brands. 
check it out if you are uh, looking for influencers. But then I think also think about the older folks, maybe they are worthy of being influencers themselves given their experience. So the more conversant we become in it, the better. And Yash is a perfect first stop for that. So thank you so much for joining us, Yash. All right, Toby. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. Please share your comments and questions with Toby via Twitter at TUSNIC or LinkedIn at Toby Usnick. And thank you for sharing the caring economy with your friends and colleagues.